Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the I Just Want to Chat podcast. I'm Mary, and guys, I am so excited because today we are joined by Lauren Busby, and together we talked about all the Rachel Hollis news that just came out this week and kind of talked about how she's been able to escape cancellation somehow. So we talked about that, and then later on in the show, I talked about the Bachelor PPP loan drama. We put our detective hats on, and we tried to guess who Dumois is speculating is pregnant, because this week they came out with the news that there's going to be a groundbreaking, internet-breaking celebrity baby announcement. So we tried to figure that one out. We revisited Taylor Swift's crazy summer of 2016, because this was the five-year anniversary of Tom Hiddleston and Taylor Swift and that whole 4th of July party, you know, fiasco. So we talked about that. We recommended something that you shouldn't watch, something that you should watch. And we also went over our Wednesday wish from last week. So stay tuned. It should be a good one. Okay, y'all, and quick PSA. I should take a note from the Rachel Hollis book of life advice and stop apologizing. But guys, the editing on this one's going to be a little rough. I'm sorry. This is your pre-warning. I apologize. Lauren and I, we had a lot of like audio issues as we were recording, but we had already like said so many good things. So I didn't want to start over and I didn't want to like disrespect her and her time and make her re-record because she was already being so gracious by coming on the podcast, yada, yada, yada. So hang in there and it'll be so cool one day when I'm like America's number one top podcaster and you could be like, whoa, back in the day, I listened to Mary when her show sounded like crap. Um... And maybe I shouldn't say that in the beginning because I don't want anybody to turn this off. But that's just the disclaimer for today. And hang in there and roll with the punches. I know you could do it. Thank you. Okay, on with the show. Hi, everybody. I am so excited because today I'm joined by my new friend, Lauren Busby. Lauren, hello. Hi. And it's kind of awkward to say new friend because I have been following Lauren for like two years, but then I had the pleasure of going to dinner with her last week with Meredith Tuttle. And have you been following that long? I mean, I'm throwing two years out there, but I want to say it was at least a year before COVID. Wow. I'm so excited about that. I didn't know. I know. I'm trying to think about like the Lauren milestones that I've seen. (laughs) Like, I mean, the house happened during COVID. You've seen the train wreck in front of you. Definitely not a train wreck. I four kids during COVID, man. I don't know how you did it. Like, I mean, I had three children, but also didn't have to do school or didn't have to do anything. So I don't think that anything was a train wreck, Um, but it was kind of that not awkward because Lauren's not awkward, but that situation where it's like, I know so much more about you and you know about me <laughs> and I'm holding myself back and I'm trying to ask like, you know, nice questions instead of being like, so I know what, um, everything about you. So, you know, I, I love it, back. but I'm very excited to have Lauren here today. Um, especially because when I was thinking about topics for this week, I was thinking about the things that have been puzzling me lately, which there have been a lot. And one of the main ones has just been this whole Rachel Hollis phenomenon. And last week we talked about Britney Spears and I was talking about how in society there really isn't that much capacity for like a female comeback. Like Winona Ryder was the only example that we were able to think of. My friend sent me Drew Barrymore and I was like, dang it, I should have like mentioned Drew Barrymore as well. Like that was a good comeback. But when thinking about Rachel Hollis, um, she's been in the news this week because the tickets dropped for her um, Rise conference that you can go attend if you want to on September 4th, if you have $800. But the tickets dropped and it really got me thinking, wow, she has somehow not only missed the, um, I hate the word cancel culture because I don't know, like I believe in accountability, but I also like believe in forgiveness. And I feel like I'm like somewhere in the middle when it comes to all of that. But somehow she has not only bypassed cancel culture, but it's like worked in her favor a little bit. So I've been thinking about that. And then Lauren is the perfect person to talk to about this because she's actually been following Rachel and has kind of been not part of her program, but has um, read She's inspired me. In over the years, yeah, yes, has um, you know, resonated with things that Rachel has talked about before. Now Lauren is kind of on the other side of things, so I thought that she'd be the perfect person to talk to about this. So Lauren, kind of real quick, what's your background with Rachel Hollis? Like your history, 
because you've been following her for a few years, right? Yes, I actually don't follow her anymore, but I did follow her back when she first came out with Girl, Wash Your Face. Um, Someone had recommended the book to me. And so I read it. And honestly, it was just like a duh moment to me. I read it and I was like, this isn't blowing my mind. I can't believe this is blowing so many women's minds. And she is one of the reasons that I even opened up my Instagram to public was because I thought, oh, wow, if this blew people's minds, it sounds like all we need is more people like being a little more, you know, real or, you know what I mean? Like a little, Mm -hmm. like opening the curtain a little bit more and admitting that they don't have it all together or whatever. I, I, when I read her book, I was like, I think that's what people are resonating with is the realness of the way she talks or whatever. And it honestly just made me sad that so many women were craving that. And I think that is honestly a lot to do with social media and everyone curating their lives to look more perfect than they are. And so she was a, um, a big inspiration to me of just, wow, this is needed as far as being an example to people that like, we don't have it all together. So I I feel like she never blew my mind personally, but it blew my mind that she was blowing people's minds, if that makes sense. Okay. Totally makes sense because I like, I don't know how to phrase this because I don't want to sound like I'm above self-help. Like I, I really resonate with like religious talks about, you know, self-improvement and, and stuff, but like the brand of self-help that's like really popular on the internet where it's just like, live your truth. And like, like you are great and stuff. And I mean, like it's, they're, they're good messages, but like, they've just never resonated with me. I'm like, okay, here I am. Yeah. I've been living my truth since like the day I was born. Like how, how does someone like not like live their truth or whatever? And that just kind of seems to be the brand of this like self-help. So I've never really, um, I've never really resonated with any of it with whether it's like Rachel Hollis or something like my history with Rachel Hollis has just been, I remember like years ago when I had my first baby, there was a video of hers posted in a, like a mommy Facebook group where she was like giving moms the permission to do cry it out and whatever, like your stance on cry it out is like, it was just a, like an eye opening video to me because it was something different than the like, girl, you are awesome just the way you are. And once you realize that you're awesome, you're going to make $40 million. Like it, it was different. It was different self-help because it was like something that I actually needed. Like I needed someone to like, look at me and be like, Hey, it's okay. Like if your baby cries, you know, like totally let's arrive. Everything's going to be fine. Um, so like that was the self-help that I got from Rachel Hollis and then didn't think about her at all. And then when I saw the girl wash your face stuff, like starting to come out, I was like, okay, this was the cried out girl, I think. But I like, I just didn't really want anything to do with what she was selling just because I didn't feel like I needed it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So then when did you kind of change your opinion? I don't want to say like on her per se. So because um, we don't know her, but yeah, no, totally. So it's, it's really interesting because I, I realized that people needed the self-help because people had such low self-esteem. I I felt like that, that, um, you know, you can do anything that you set your mind to kind of, you know, vibe or whatever resonated with a lot of women. And I, and I realized that it was because women um, had a lot on their plates and they were so overwhelmed and overworked and over just everything. And so that part resonated with me of feeling like, oh my gosh, yes, we need more women, you know, letting their kids cry it out or, you know, just the stuff that resonated um, with people I felt like was her realness factor of like, I don't do it all, whatever. And so that part really resonated with me. It wasn't until I realized my privilege. Um, I, I always knew that I had privilege, um, or I should say in the last, you know, 10 years that I've, you know, have started to become more anti-racist and, 
and stuff like that. But it was just in, I don't know, the last four years or so that I really realized how much self-improvement was a privilege that many um, black women and women of color don't have the privilege to worry about becoming their best selves because they are just trying to make ends meet. And it was once I realized my privilege in the self-help realm that I was like, holy crap, like this is so much bigger and so much like there's so there's just so much privilege in this and to act like it's all in someone's um uh sorry I'm trying to think of the right word (laughs) well like the people can like manifest it for themselves if they just like work hard enough yes yes uh, exactly um that it's not in everyone's control that was the word I was looking for was control Mm -hmm. um and so once I realized that I was like holy crap this is actually like very problematic And, um, once I realized that I actually, it was around that time that I realized that I had an eating disorder and I kind of faced that head on in front of my Instagram audience a couple of years ago. And I've been talking a lot about that and me being in recovery. And, um, but as I've kind of, you know, realized all the problematic things about myself in the last four years that's when I kind of unraveled this Rachel Hollis, like, Oh, it it really wasn't as helpful as I thought it was at the time. Um, And it perpetuated a lot of, you know, racism and a lot of uh, just not doing the work that needed to be done for me personally to put good into the world. So once I realized that I unfollowed and I was done But I also like had some sympathy that some people that she was a good thing for them and she was helping them become their best selves. So yeah, go ahead, do it. But for me, it was an eating disorder. So I needed to unfollow and be done with that. Um, So that's kind of when I like parted ways with following her, but I never, I don't want to say I did it with all this like ill will or anger or anything like that. I just knew my boundaries and I knew like I I couldn't be a part of that anymore if that makes sense yeah you just reached your like it's not for me point where I feel yes, like I, exactly. I, I get with that um I get with that I like I get to that point a lot with like influencers that I'll follow like for a season and then exactly then I start getting like a little bit too much like life envy and I'm like you know what it's not for me anymore it's not for mm-hmm. me and then sometimes I'm like strong enough to like unfollow. And then sometimes like the green eyed monster in me is still like, <laughs> just follow and see what happens. It's like, that's not, healthy. but yeah, I was, I was explaining to the, I was explaining this to my husband today when I was talking about like the topics for tonight. And I was telling him like the whole problem with like Rachel Hollis. And he was kind of like, well, what's wrong with that? Like just saying these self-help things. And I think there's a couple problems with it. Number one, it's, it's, it's very easy to live your truth. If you're rich, yes. it's very easy to live your truth. If you're like in the place of like immense privilege, where you have like the opportunity and the resources to live your truth or to fix your problems by washing your face. And again, I'm not saying that that's all that she has like to offer the world and wash your face as a tagline and all that, but again, like some things are not like always like so simplistic and I'm sure she would acknowledge that as well, as well. But like with the drama that we'll get to in a second, there was a tweet once that said the problem with Rachel Hollis and her message right now is that she started at third base. Yes. Like she's, she started like, and she had rounded the bases already and she has a short run to home and then she has success. Mm -hmm. So comparing like her, rise if you will because that's the name of her conference her rise to the people that she's preaching to and making it look like so attainable um is is not always honest and then I also think about the people that she's marketing herself to or has been marketed to and what I see often online are the people that are really eating this up are people who are like entrenched in MLM like deeply um, mm-hmm. who are, I mean, for the most part, I 
I would say that most people do MLM is for money and they do it so they can have a sense of freedom in their house and feel like they're contributing. And then they're buying into this Rachel Hollis thing, thinking that this like simplistic self-help and also that like, if they just stop holding themselves back, then they're going to reach these huge milestones. So I do feel like her audience, the people that they target is a little, makes me feel a little icky sometimes, but. Mm -hmm. um, Almost taken advantage of. Yeah. Like it just kind of, like, sometimes I see these people and just like, want to be like, but I mean, I feel like that way with a lot of people who are involved deeply in like MLMs and stuff. We talked about that last week anyway, but what I wanted to talk about now, which is like so puzzling is she's had multiple controversies. I feel like a Rachel Hollis controversy pops up once every four months. Mm -hmm. And the most recent one, just to catch everybody up to speed, I'm sure like everyone has seen it. She made a video talking about her privilege and said, yes, I am privileged, but also I work really hard. And she mentioned the woman who comes into her house and cleans her toilets and called her the girl who cleans my toilets, cleans my toilets multiple times. And then um, like in her caption, she was talking about people who are not relatable. And then she put herself in those categories, which I, I will give her some of the benefit of the doubt, like maybe her intention, you know? Yeah. Actually, like, it's kind of hard to give her the benefit of the doubt, too, where it's like, if you do this professionally, you should realize that comparing yourself to Harriet Tubman is probably a bad call. Like, comparing yourself yeah. to Malala is probably not yeah. the best call. Um, but, so she had that con- controversy, and then she doubled down, blamed it kind of on her staff, said she wasn't going to apologize, did apologize, but didn't really apologize. And you guys know me, I'm very quick to accept apologies, pretty much. I am, um, some may say that sometimes I'm like too quick to accept these quote unquote, like performative apologies, but even like her apology, I was like, oh, you didn't really hit it. But then what's happened since then is you would think it would follow the trend of these other people who have been canceled. Okay, team, I am re-recording something. We had like an internet connection issue and it was in the, it was mid rant. So editing wise, we're going to see what happens. But anyway, what I was saying was she had her whole controversy. If the contro- if my summary of the controversy got, you know, bad serviced out, cut out, then, uh, then I'll come back and put it in. But now what's happened is she's kind of morphed her audience into these people who are taking pride in the fact that she is not doubling down to cancel culture and is not, um, you know, listening to people saying like, what you said was actually very hurtful and very problematic to people who, you know, are not on the same level playing field as you are. And she's embraced this audience and now it's enabled her to sell conference tickets and they're selling, like she's, she's been the opposite of canceled. She's retained her normal audience who have always loved her. And then she's also gained this new audience of people who don't mind and kind of rejoice in the fact that she did something problematic and she's not apologizing for it, which is, uh, you know, harmful. Yeah. Harmful and uh, very puzzling. No, I was just going to say, absolutely. Yeah. The, the people she's gained have been, uh, that's, that's probably not an audience you're, that's going to help her in the long run. Yeah. And, and as I mentioned earlier, so she announced the tickets for her conference and it's a three-day conference in Austin, Texas. And for $799, you can get the lowest tier um, seating. And I'm thinking that this is at either an arena or like a big theater. I can't really tell based on like the seating stuff. There's no seating chart. But the lowest price level gets you for $800 gets you basically like your ticket in and then like a program and digital resources and then um, access to one digital course. And so for $800, you get like your ticket in, but for $2,000, you could meet her and go to a Q&A lunch, which I'm sure would be like a 45 minute lunch where she sits at the front and then there's a couple surface level questions 
And then like someone back there is going to be sitting like with their notebook being like, I'm going to ask her how to grow my business. And she's going to be like, have you tried taking a nap? Anyway, but how or why do you think that she has been able to escape the mess that normally follows actions like the ones that she did? That's a good question. I maybe a lot of the people that I also don't like the term cancel culture. I, I, it frustrates me when people get really mad about cancel culture because I don't think it's as problematic as everyone says. I, I think a lot of it is just very much taking responsibility for your actions and yes. um, apologizing and doing better. Cause I think in general, people appreciate someone realizing they messed up, apologizing and moving forward, doing better. I think in general, our society values that, um, that forgiveness. And so I don't like the thought that people just say, oh, you do one bad thing or whatever. So I, I don't necessarily think that she was canceled because I think the people that were disappointed in the stuff she did um, in this last year, I, I think they already kind of saw through her, if that makes sense. Like, I think they were kind of already done. And so I don't think she really had that audience to begin with. Maybe it was people just like, you know, checking in on her, like you said, like, where's, you know, where's her life going to take her or whatever, but maybe they weren't like drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Um, and so I think it might seem to you or I like she's bounced back or she has this bigger audience or whatever. And I, I think it's that a lot of people weren't, were, were falling off the Rachel train, probably a lot like my story, possibly, um, as people have become more aware of the racial inequalities in our day and the privilege that is, you know, having money for childcare or things that she talked about, like it was like, everyone can have the life that I have. I think in the last couple of years, a lot of people have had a story like mine of realizing how untrue that is. So I guess I just don't really think she was very canceled because I don't think those people were really invested in her anyway. And yeah, the people that were wasn't. proud of her for not apologizing were like are just still proud of her for not apologizing I'm proud of her for you know so I I think her group just got like stronger behind her and to us that might seem like she bounced back I don't I don't think she ever was like really affected by cancel culture this is posing a really good question for me real quick I'm gonna look up her social blade everyone please okay team I'm back I just looked up her social blade if anybody isn't a freak like me um who cares too much about social media social blade is like where you can look at people's followings over time it's all graphed out and you can see trends and see you know what what has happened to them over a span of time all right so sorry for the brief intermission guys I went to look up her social blade and she did not lose many followers in April when this all happened. She basically averaged out. There were days where there were big dips. There were days where there were dips of like 4,000 followers. And then she actually even had like some gain days where she like gained 6,000. Where normally that kind of tells you that sometimes they could be like artificially filling up their following. But, um, but their engagement rate had like stayed the same. So Lauren, maybe you are right. Maybe the people who are her core audience just don't really care as much as the loud voices who were calling her out. Well, and I would see in her posts, because of course I was nosy and I went and looked because I was like, holy crap, all this is happening. So I went and read a bunch of comments from people and there are people just like, oh my gosh, like it's about time. You've been awful for years and stuff like that. 
And so in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, these people aren't her fan base anyway. I feels like mm-hmm. people came there to let her know that she was falling, but then all of her fans were like, no, like we're here for you. We love you. We're so I just, I never, you. yeah, I never really saw cancel culture with her. I just saw that the world went to her social to be like, holy crap, what's happening? It's so bizarre. It's, it will never like not puzzle me how some people are able to like miss the whole cancellation. And then some people, like, it seems like there's no like rubric for like being canceled. Like there's no, um, like sometimes it will just kind of happen like harder than others. And again, don't take any of this as me saying that like I'm not for full accountability, totally for full accountability. Let's, I love what they said on, um, I think it was Claire and Emma's Bachelor podcast where they said that like, we don't want to call people out. We want to call people in. Like, Mm -hmm. we're not like calling you out. We're calling you in, like come like join the fight with us and stuff. And so I'm totally in favor of that. And I'm not saying that anybody, for the most part, there are some extreme examples where I'm like, yes, I never want to see your face again. Like, yes, like you, at least in like my mind, like, what you've done is so horrible. You are canceled to me. Go find happiness off the internet. I don't want to see you anymore. There are Mm -hmm. times where I feel like that, but it is interesting that, um, Rachel's audience, it seems like as a whole has not been frustrated by her actions and not even frustrated. They've been empowered by her lack of apologies and accountability. Yes. That's what I was going to say is that it's almost like she weeded people out in the last however many years that she already had that core audience when this stuff happened. And so that's why it's not feeling like this big dip in followers or anything like that, because like she's been weeding people out anyway, like through the things that she's, you know, saying or pushing or whatever. Um, Again, I didn't find joy in being like, oh my gosh, she's the worst, whatever. Like, cause I know that she probably started all of this with very good intentions to help women uh, become them their best selves. But she was very um, unaware of how privileged and how much she started on third base. And so, um, so yeah, I, I don't have like this ill will And I think there are probably a lot of people like me that left her a while ago, like, "Eh, you know what, this isn't jiving with me. This feels kind of yucky. Like you said, it kind of feels like people are getting taken advantage of, but you know what? They're happy for now. Fine. Let them have that. They feel like they have a friend, like that's great. Um, So I, I feel like she weeded people out with her own, her own content for years and years. So I, 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 that is true. Yes, I agree. Like, and then I just feel like, I mean, essentially it will just become like an echo chamber at some point. If she just continues to weed people out who are empowered by her doing insane problematic stuff. And I'm like now like unlocking like other memories of her like controversies where I'm like, oh wait, didn't she say like really horrible things about people who are overweight? Like in her first book where it's like, yeah, they're like overweight. Then like, they don't take care of themselves and you should like cut them out of your life. And so, I, I don't be, like, remember that. Quote. I don't remember that specifically, but she did talk about like, y- you have all of the control in the world of how you look and how you exercise and how you, and I remember reading that and I was deep in an eating disorder and thinking, Oh my gosh, she's right. I have all, I, I need to be better at this. I need to. And I got further and further into my eating disorder from that book, not realizing that at the time, not at all. I was thinking, oh, she's making me be my best self. And, you know, um, but little did I know that I was spiraling down a oh, worse, man. worse path. <laughs> I feel like it'd be so easy. Cause I mean, there's obviously everybody has people that they look up to and trust the opinion and advice and counsel of. And I feel like that's what I was trying to get to earlier when I was like, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of people being taken advantage of here because they're no offense to anybody that sells Monet or Monat, however it is by, um, or any MLM really where they 
it's it's just a fact that for the most part, people who are entrenched in MLMs typically aren't the highest earners in the, the companies and stuff. And there's always a level of, um, you know, how do I want to say it? I always feel like a little icky sometimes when I see that. And then it also tends to be the same people that are really buying into the, if I just like work a little bit harder and if I just like kind of like own my life a little bit more and it just, it feels sad because I just want them to spend time and energy on something else. But if this is what is making them happy, then who am I? Who am I mm-hmm. to say anything? Mm-hmm. But I just want everyone to live their truth. Ultimately, Lauren, that's, that's typically same here. That's typically what I want. Same here. Um, and honestly, I, I have n- no ill will for however people live as far as like MLMs and that kind of stuff. But yes, I totally understand where you're saying like a lot of them end up losing money or, you know, just get preyed upon. Yes. I just feel bad for people who are preyed upon. And I feel like Rachel Hollis, it's the same thing, except for they're it's not an MLM. It's just like praise me by my stuff. I'm preying upon you because you have XYZ insecurity or you have XYZ life goal that you don't know how to really get there. And I'm going to feed you snake oil until you get to that point. Yes. Yeah. Which at the time when I read it, I was like, holy crap, like she's not saying anything crazy. Why are people jumping on her? Like, like loving it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized like, oh, people just have really low self-esteem. Like, I think this is a bigger problem in society of the patriarchy and women being sexualized at such young ages and of, um, women being taken advantage. Like I, I saw like a bigger picture of like, holy crap. I think this has to do with like us feeling like we have to be perfect. The perfectionism was ruining us. And, um, and I, I saw that in Rachel, that she was kind of unlocking a little bit of this, like, like, I say things the way it is and people loved that. And I'm like, oh, I think people hate pretending like they're perfect. Like they would never let their kids cry it out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, I think there was like this like little bit of it. Like she unlocked something that yes, we're all craving some realness, but oh, she took it down the road. But just own up to it when... I love the, um, it kind of sucks that this quote is from Louis CK because you know everything about him. But like one of my favorite quotes in the world is like, when someone tells you that you hurt them, you don't get to tell them that you didn't. Like when, when someone says like, oh, like what you actually said was really problematic or like what you actually said was actually really hurtful. You don't get to turn around and say like, oh, no, it wasn't. Like, yeah. I didn't hurt you. No, mm-hmm. like that's, that's just not how, you know life works yeah and hopefully someday she realizes that and then she passes it along to her followers because she has a lot of capacity for good I think that she has done a lot of good and I think that there are a lot of people who can say that they've been helped by her and imagine what she could tap in people if she took some accountability Well, and if she really listened, I think that's one thing that I've noticed from her just in the past year is it felt like she talked a lot. Like she's been used to talking these last couple of years and doing the talking. And I I have found this past year, I've tried really hard to just shut up and listen to other people's lived experiences. And I think most of us have, this has been a very big year of growth for most of us of like, shut up and listen. And I honestly feel like she has, like you said, the capacity to do so much good, but she has to shut up and not be the speaker. She just has to listen, just listen to the people telling her like, this is problematic. This is why this is how you could, could fix this. This is how you could move forward. These are ways you could be anti-racist. These are ways that you could, you know, realize your privilege. Like if she really just listened, I truly believe she could do so much good. But I think she's used to being the talker. So I don't know. 
I don't know when or if that will happen. I'm not sure. Rachel Hollis, wish you well. Wish you well. Hope hope you find it. Hope you find it someday. And to the people spending $800 on a terrace ticket or balcony ticket to her conference, maybe don't. Wish them well. (laughs) <laughs> I, I wish I wish you well I also, said I wish I've, you well you said maybe you don't <laughs> <laughs> I was like maybe don't go to the conference I wish you yeah. well along with Lauren but just like take that $800 go, go on a couple's trip to Disneyland go do something take, take that $800 and go to therapy have like better a, have an actual like licensed professional person help you get down to the root because isn't that what all of this is that's what I realized Mm -hmm. four years ago was I was putting a band-aid on a gaping wound like I just I needed to really dive in and be like holy crap these are actually really deep things I got to figure out and and it's not fun but I feel like that's how long term it can like actually stick um to yeah yeah working your crap out (laughs) yeah yeah therapy would probably be my suggestion to over disneyland even though sometimes (laughs) sometimes it's like a buy one get one free deal you go to disneyland you get a churro i was gonna say if you can't afford both then just go to therapy and then go grab a churro after (laughs) true that's that's probably why that's probably why people should follow you online for um advice like that and then stick to following me online for advice not like that don't take any of my life advice just watch my instagram stories where i like talk about harry styles or whatever i love it we we're able to provide two very different things lauren i love it what what a country what a country Um, great (laughs) yes okay everyone i need you all to follow lauren it says at lauren busby correct Lauren R. Busby. Yeah. Lauren R. Busby. Everybody, her Instagram stories are just so fun and so interactive too. And again, I said this in the beginning, I have been following her for like two years and I was like, and I felt like I knew her, but like, I don't feel like I know XYZ random influencer that I follow. I've been on the internet since I was like 10 years old and I've followed some of the same people ever since then and have like never met them before. I wouldn't say that like, I know them. But Lauren's stories, I know her because I've been watching her for two years, but other people like uh, other random influencer that I follow, I I wouldn't say that I know her. Like if I sat down and had dinner with her, I would be like, so like, it wouldn't feel again, not that our dinner was awkward, but there was kind of the unlevel playing field in my mind where I'm like, Mary, don't come on too strong because you know a lot more about this person than she knows about you. And you need to calm your shiz down just a little bit. Anyway, so I hope that that is a screaming endorsement of following Lauren Busby. Everybody should go do it. She is so fun. And you're so sweet. Can we tell people to listen to your podcast? I know that you're kind of on. Yes, yes, please do. I have a podcast. It's called Who's Lauren? And maybe this will get my button gear to do the third season. Do it. I bless upon you. No audio (laughs) issues. Um, you know what? The podcast is so fun because I, I miss sitting down with my husband. He's my co-host and we just chat about everything. So that's an element that I don't have on my stories because he's not on my stories a ton. So I think this does just give me that little tinge of like, Ooh, I want to get back into the podcasting chair with him because it's so fun. I love it. It is a sweet medium. Back in the day when I would do uh, it's called bachelor podcasts. And I would have like a co-host like cancel last minute. I'd be like, Alex, my husband, I'd be like, Alex, like you have to come like do it with me. He's like, I haven't watched a bachelor. I'm like, just, just sit next to me. And just like, tell me I'm funny, like throughout the podcast. <laughs> and um, those ones never really worked out. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm glad Alex has many talents, but podcasting about something that he's never watched before. Isn't one of them. Is it, is it one of them? <laughs> no, somehow, somehow. Anyway, Lauren, <laughs> you're the greatest. I'm so flattered that you. This has been so fun. I hope you invite me back because this was so much fun. I loved it. I'm glad I didn't scare you. All right, everybody. So now I will jump to our next segment and we will talk to Lauren soon. Hopefully, if I I didn't scare her off, everyone go follow Lauren. Okay, bye. All right, guys. Now it's uh, just me. 
just me again. Hello. How's it going? Isn't Lauren so funny? Lauren is a really good follow. Everybody should go follow her if I didn't make that clear already. But now it is just me. And we have a couple things to talk about. I did have a few more things on the docket, but Lauren and I uh, didn't really know when, when to stop, especially me. I did not know when to stop talking about Rachel Hollis. So I'm going to keep everything brief. And it would be horrible of me to hold back an opportunity for us all collectively to play detective together. So this week, Demois on their Instagram. We all know the Demois Instagram, like the celebrity blind item one that has often checked out. There's only like one time in my mind where it hasn't really like played out and they've like owned up to the fact that it hasn't really played out. But Demois is like the celebrity blind item account. I consider it to be very trustworthy. The things normally do play out. And this week, they got a blind item saying that there is going to be an A-list celebrity baby announcement, celebrity pregnancy announcement coming out that is going to like shake the internet and like make everybody talk. And of course, everybody has, you know, said their answers. And here's like what we can go off of. So first of all, it's not Cardi B. Cardi B had announced like the day before this blind item came out. And then, and also I don't think that would shake the internet. And then some people have been like, it's Amber Heard. Amber Heard is not A-list. Um, and Dumois has like, confirmed that's not her either. So there's a couple people that everyone has been like speculating it could be, and then a few that have been debunked. So the major players that we have going on here, people thought maybe Kylie, but Kylie, I guess, like keeps eating sushi and like posting it to like show that she's not pregnant, like eating the kind of sushi that you can't eat when you're pregnant. And then other people have guessed Kourtney Kardashian, which was like my mid-level guess, but people keep like tweeting things and being like, oh no, like she was just seen doing this, so she can't be pregnant. And then I keep thinking silently to myself like, I rode Splash Mountain while I was pregnant. Should I like announce that here on this podcast? I mean, it's on my Instagram. Like, you could see, you could put put the dots together. Um, but, so people think that Kourtney Kardashian is not the person. And then some people thought that maybe it was Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde. But they were just seen on a yacht in Italy and, like, she was drinking and stuff. So, not Olivia Wilde. My working guess is Taylor Swift. I really, truly think that that's the only person other than like Jennifer Lopez, but I don't think Jennifer Lopez is having any babies anytime soon. I think that she's kind of out of that phase of her life because her children are grown and it just seems like a weird time to like completely start over, you know, but other than JLo and Ben Affleck having another baby, I cannot think of one. I mean, unless it's like, I don't know. I almost said Britney Spears, but that that's mean. We know that she wants to, but she can't. Unless it's like somebody so far out there, it's not going to like shake the internet other than Taylor Swift, right? And I mean, if we reflect on the song Peace from a year ago, she says, give me my wild, give you a child. So it's on her radar. She's like 31. The timing kind of sounds right. Her and Joe Alwyn have been together for like four years now. I don't know. I... That's my working guess right now. If I'm let down, because there has been a time where Dumois has let everybody down. And there was a wild goose chase like this like a month ago where somebody sent in this tip and said that there was going to be like an A-list, groundbreaking celebrity breakup and it was going to shake Hollywood and it was going to like make people draw lines in the sand and it was going to like shake everything up. And then everyone was guessing and then finally like the lead fell through and they're like, haha, just kidding. So if that happens again, then we're all going to be made fools of. But could it be anybody? I mean, Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin, maybe people would go crazy being like, whoa, Justin Bieber is going to be a dad. That's crazy. But like, would we really go crazy over like two like Christian kids that have been married for two years, like having a baby? No, no. Yeah. So Taylor Swift, final answer. It could be Kourtney Kardashian, but I doubt it. 
I think, yeah. Taylor Swift, final answer. Ding, ding, ding. Locking it in. Um, but also, quick Taylor Swift, uh, you know, sidebar. Did you guys know that it's been uh, five years since uh, Tom Hiddleston and Taylor Swift? This 4th of July was the five-year anniversary of her infamous last uh, 4th of July party. Remember, she used to do all those every year, and then, like, she shot everything down post-Kanye. I mean, maybe she still does them, but, like, they're not what they used to be. Anyway, five years ago yesterday was the infamous Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston photo shoot of him wearing the I Heart TS shirt and and the PDA and all of it. That happened five years ago. Can you believe it? It seems like, my friend Taylor said it best, it seems like a fever dream. It seems like something that was so out there because, like, I try to watch Loki and... I mean, I haven't been a Marvel fan. Like, I just recently got into Marvel because I loved WandaVision. WandaVision, and then I watched everything. But, like, it's hard for me to watch Loki and, you know, see past the iHeartTS. Like, I can't do it. But it's wild because when we think about the timeline of things, this is all old news, of course, but there was Calvin Harris, and then they broke up right around the Met Ball, she meets Tom Hiddleston and Joe Alwyn on the same night, dates Tom Hiddleston, Hiddleston for, you know, a month and a half, two months. I think that they were just, just together for like two months. The Kanye thing happens. They break up. She gets with Joe Alwyn. What a summer. What a summer. And not just what a summer, but like, again, they were only together for like two months, but it spurred so much content. He still like comes up in her songs all the time. And let me just tell you that nobody in any Taylor Swift song, apart from maybe John Mayer, has been as like disrespected as Tom Hiddleston has. Like she uses every single opportunity to talk about the fact that he is old. She will take any opportunity that she can to reference the fact that he's old. You know what? The only person that's maybe more insulted in Taylor Swift songs other than Tom Hiddleston with the exception of John Mayer, is Joe Alwyn. She loves talking about how Joe Alwyn is just broke. Like, she loves talking... London Boy. Um, well, everything's escaping me right now. Maybe I'll, like, a, I'll make a master list of, uh, of you know, like, Taylor Swift Boom Roasted edition um, on the I Just Want to Chat Facebook page. But she loves talking about how he's broke And then she loves talking about how Tom Hiddleston is old and like in Coney Island to sick burn one after another. And I mean, it doesn't seem like the man like did anything wrong. It just seemed like, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Her heart was with someone else. She, he was the getaway car, you know, but he spurred so much content. It was just a brief amount of time. Anyway, that was a little sidebar. I wasn't even planning on talking about it, but you know, just, we had to address it together. Um, shifting gears for a minute. I thought that it was important to talk about the uh, Bachelor PPP loan drama just because I want to hear everyone else's take on it. And I mean, I know that this is a one-way podcast, but write me in your thoughts. I hate it. So to summarize, the Bachelor PPP drama is this week it came out that a few influencers from, you know, Bachelor Nation, including Taysha. Ari and Lauren, Dale applied for one, but was denied. Um, Ari and Lauren, Colton, um, I think Caitlin Bristow, they had applied for PPP loans and they got them. And most of them were around like $20,000. And it's BS because, you know, they were able to influence from home, you know, during COVID. And yeah, maybe like some of their ad budgets were like slashed, but really like, I think it really is one of those just because you can doesn't mean you should type situations because it's it's crummy. The only person that I think had cause to apply for one of these loans was Colton. And you guys know that it's like a dark day whenever I defend Colton Underwood because, you know, not a fan. But he... Like, the money went to his foundation to, like, pay the employees of his foundation. So I get that. Like, they're, they live off of fundraising. They couldn't have their fundraisers last year. I understand that one. But, like, Taisha was like, oh, I used the money to hire an assistant. 
Tasha, girl, you have money. You just you were just a bachelorette. Like they pay like the bachelorette like ninety thousand bucks, and you get and you came off a of Bachelor in Paradise. They pay you money to be on that, and you know other things. Other things. She she's an influencer. She she has the money. Ari and Lauren they just bought another house in Hawaii during COVID. Not another. This is their first house in Hawaii, but they bought a house in Hawaii during COVID. Their influencers his. Their, like, LLC name is Instagram Husband. That's uh, something to note. But, like, they're influencers. He's a realtor. They just bought a house in Hawaii. They didn't need it. My husband earlier was like, well, Mary, a lot of people did the PPP loans. Like, the Lakers even applied for one. Cool. Cool. Whatever. But it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's puzzling. It's real puzzling. And I don't love it. And before we go, we just have one... Two, two, um, do watch this, don't do this suggestions. And my number one, uh, don't watch this for the week is a uh, sex life. I watched it on Netflix. Here's the deal. A couple things. Number one, content wise, like I try to like not really watch, you know, stuff with like a ton of sex. So maybe it's my bad to because I clicked on something called sex life. But for the most part, I could like, I could take it and I could just like fast forward through whatever. And it was a lot more like sexual than I anticipated. So that's like part one of my review. That's a me problem. It's not a show problem. It's just a PSA. But the show sucked. It was after going off of the high that I was riding from Starstruck, having like such an amazing romance to watch and then falling from grace, watching sex life. It was just the most miserable show. And I only got to like three episodes in. I stopped abruptly at episode three. If you've seen the TikToks, you know what I'm talking about. The thing happened. The thing happened in episode three. And I watched it and I go, oh, this is officially not for me. I was already hating my life watching it, but I was like, oh, I'll see it through. And I was kind of like passively watching it while I was doing other things. The worst show. If. Like, I think the only way I could summarize it is just hot people problems. Hot people problems. And the premise, the premise was actually kind of good. That's what, like, intrigued me. It was, like, this girl kind of having, like, a midlife crisis. I, I don't know if I shouldn't even call it a midlife crisis, but, like, thinking of an ex and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, like, this is, like, compelling because I feel like you never see, like, moms as, like, sexual beings in shows. And, and I, I, I was interested, you know? Guys, just the worst show. The, the lead character whose name was Billy, who I actually, like, I thought that, that was a cute name for a girl. I've been thinking that ever since Billie Eilish. But I can see, like, my husband, like, making a face right now. Like, don't you dare. We're never going to name a baby girl Billy. But wouldn't it be nice? Anyway, that was a tangent. But the lead character, just, she's so hot. And she's had such a, like, a crazy sex life. And she misses it. And she'll, like, like, I, just the whole thing was this hot people problems. The theme song should be Champagne Problems by Taylor Swift. It was just, okay, sorry that you're hurting every lead in the show, but these aren't really, you know, these aren't really uh, normal problems that uh, like normal average looking people have. So it was a little, you know, not that fun to watch. Anyway, so that's my suggestion for uh, Don't Waste Your Time this week. Wish I had a suggestion for something for you to watch, but uh, I don't. Watch the things that I've recommended previously, I guess. But for a do, you should all read the Britney Spears um, kind of like deep dive that Ronan Farrow did. And it was with the New York Times. And it's so good. And it really like shed a lot of light on things that we didn't know about with the Britney stuff. We found out that Britney called 911 the night before she gave her testimony in court. Like she made her statement. And she reported herself as an abuse victim that night. And it seems like the police did do something at the time, but like nothing's happened and we don't know. We don't know what's happening with her still. So is anyone going to free Brittany or are we going to have to ride at midnight and go do it ourselves? I'm willing to. Someone, someone drop me a pin. Let me know where I need to go and let's go free Brittany. Let's go do it. It's as simple as that, right? Um, no, I probably shouldn't trivialize her issue. 
Which kind of brings me to another thing. I said that we were going to have a conversation about a certain influencer this week um, that rhymes with schmerge, schmellish mode. And I was thinking, in light of all this Britney stuff, I didn't want to be a part of tearing down someone that's probably dealing with a lot of stuff that we're not realizing. And I'm feeling bad about my participation in the, you know, the the discourse around Schmerge Schmalish Mode. So I decided to not put that segment in. So that's just kind of my, my shout out to anyone that was waiting for a Schmerge Schmalish Mode uh, discussion this week. Wish her well. Wish her and the children well. Do I wish a husband well? I'm, I'm not sure. Anyway, I shouldn't even get into it. But... We do have our Wednesday wish from our Instagram to go over this last week before we let you go. And this last week we asked kind of a play on the stereotypical question. I feel like the stereotypical um, like icebreaker or like Facebook group engagement question question is always like, what show do you wish that you could like erase from your mind and rewatch again for the first time? And I thought about doing that one. But I feel like we already kind of know everyone's answers. Like everyone wants to watch Breaking Bad again for the first time or... I don't know, what's another good one that people like, Gossip Girl or something. So I feel like we already kind of know the answers for that. But this time I wanted to know, like, if you could erase one TV finale slash final season, like, from existence, and then, like, either have them reshoot it or just, like, end it where it was, like it went on too long or something, what season or what show would you want them to just, you know, erase? And my submissions are definitely True Blood. Like, that's that will be my number one. I wish that season seven never happened. Never, ever. I wish that they could just go back and reshoot it and think of some way for, like, Sookie and Eric to be together because that's what everybody wanted. It ended in the worst way. The whole season seven, to be honest, they should have stopped at season three. And then I went back and read the books because I was, like, really obsessed with it one summer. They should have, like, went... Shot it up to season season three and then done what the books had. Because, like, the books were, like, a good thing. I don't know. What they did in season six was interesting. But, anyway, went on way too long. Wish that they never did that. And, of course, The Office season seven. You know that TikTok trend where it's, like, you're watching a show right before it gets really bad. And then they just, like, pause it and close their computer, like, before, like, a main character dies or something. I wish that they had done that done that like right as Michael walked out because I can't really think of any super like highlights from the office post Michael you know they made Andy too crazy Nellie came on Nellie was the worst Robert California had some good parts but no thank you um also I wish that Outlander ended a season ago that would have been really nice to be honest I didn't even like finish season five I don't think my husband did and I know what happened because of course I'm in like a Facebook group for it and I know that just like more people got raped or whatever, but I wish that they had ended Outlander. Like Brie comes to America, spoiler alert, Brie comes to America and then like it's done. And then they leave, live happily ever after. Um, then also I know that this is a movie and not a TV show, but Toy Story 4 is nothing but bad fan fiction. The world would be better off without Toy Story 4. I'm sorry. And I know that we have like the Forky merchandise, but like, do we need it? Do we need it? I don't think so. Toy Story 3. My son had like a big Toy Story phase earlier this year. So I've like watched these many, many, many times. Toy Story 3 just had like the best closure. And then they like tacked this one on at the end. It literally was like, you know, bad fan fiction. Anyway, so just reading through the comments here of other shows that people have, you know, made wishes about. Uh, Stephanie Carter hated the last season of Poldark. I haven't seen it, but should I? Someone tell me if I should watch Poldark. Uh, Meredith Tuttle agrees with me about The Office and also says that the Gilmore Girls uh, final season and like the Netflix sanction have ha shouldn't have happened. Um, Game of Thrones. Caitlin Jameson did not like the last Game of Thrones. She's alone on that one. Just kidding. I think that's pretty universal, right? I stopped watching Game of Thrones on season five. I was watching Game of Thrones kind of in and out of it and then at one point in season five my like hbo had like kicked me out 
And then I just like never cared to log back in. And I never thought about it since. And I've never been like, oh, I should pick Game of Thrones back up. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Never, never did it. Um, somebody said Seinfeld. They didn't like the finale. Haven't watched it. Um, and then Alex Arndt said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I wish that the latest trilogy of Star Wars films were erased and reshot with a less derivative plot. And I must agree. Don't we all hate the derivativeness of Star Wars? Just kidding. I don't know. Those ones have Adam Driver and he's cute. So I'm fine with them. I'm fine. They could stay. Anyway, guys, we're at the 58 minute mark now. And once I put on ads and uh, intros and all that, and probably a huge disclaimer in the beginning, apologizing for my crappy editing skills, it will be over an hour. So I'm going to cut us off right now. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And then I just had to stop to sneeze. Seamless editing tonight, guys. You're welcome. Anyway, thank you so much for listening tonight. Here's your to-do list. Make sure that you're following the I Just Want to Chat podcast on Instagram at I Just Want to Chat podcast. And this week, guys, we're doing a giveaway with Bloody Buddy Cup. Go on and enter. There's like a good chance that you could win a Bloody Buddy Cup and a $25 Amazon gift card, which would be so exciting. You can, um, I don't know. I was going to think of something cool that you could buy on Amazon. Something cool to go with your new menstrual cup from Bloody Buddy. How about that? Anyway, you still have a pretty good chance to win and the contest ends on Thursday. So go enter. Go join our Facebook group at I Just Want to Chat Podcast. You know, it's pretty. The the brand strength online uh, of things called I Just Want to Chat Podcast is uh, pretty strong. Kudos to me. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And we will be back next week. Thanks.